Dear Father, I thank you so much for your love, God. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for our, being a creator, just everything that you've given us, Lord. Amen. I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Jilly, Lord. I thank you mm. for just putting that willingness in our hearts to be able to step out there, try this, and see if maybe there it can be able to not only edify us and help us, but maybe help someone else, Lord. Um, God, we Amen. ask for your presence. We ask for your Holy Spirit, for your direction, for your guidance, Lord. But we thank you for who you are and Amen. for being able to make up for any deficiencies that we have as humans, God. We love you so much. We ask for your presence and your guidance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, George, maybe before we start today, we can say a couple of words about who we actually are. Sounds good, yes. People <laughs> so like to know that. Why don't you start? All right. So, uh, my name is Josh Reyes. I am 43. I am married. I have three children, a 16-year-old, a 13-year-old, hey. and a 9-year-old. And uh, I've been married for almost 20 years. I'm a nurse practitioner. I uh, grew up loving the Lord. Um, I, as far as I can remember, um, God has been a part of my life. You guys have fostered a number of children over the years, right? We have. So we, we were blessed to be able to adopt three children. Um, uh -huh. We've also had in our home four other children now. The plan was though, for three of the other ones to be adopted, um, but mm -hmm. that was that, that, that was changed. We did foster. We did one time that we did foster just for the sakes of fostering, but we did others that we fostered <laughs> without purposely trying to foster. Um, but that's, I guess, I think... I think it was God. God was Absolutely. involved, and so and, and your generous, loving hearts. I think because you have to have two. You know, there, yeah. there is a need, and and you are there to meet to meet it. Well, we were blessed. Yeah. So and, how about you? Well, my name is Gili. I'm originally from Romania. I I work here in the U.S. I've been here for about twenty some years now. I am a physician working primary care. We've been colleagues for for a while, Josh. We have been. Yeah. So that's when, when, how we get when did to you know start working other. at Brenda's Health? So I came in 2009. Okay. So we've been there until 17, and then yeah, so here 14, the 14 years we've yeah. been working together. Yeah. So it's been it's been some time, and like you said, I I was privileged to grow up in a Christian ch uh, home and get exposed to some of these things early on and be intrigued by Revelation <laughs> very early on. So right. it's been a project uh, of ours, I think, uh, in you know separately and now together to try to understand this book better. Just because I like, I think, understanding the birth of it. So the birth of it was you and I were just wanting to know more about Revelation, have a better understanding about what it, right. what, what we were reading and so forth. And yes. we were, I joked around and said, oh, if we could only find a Philip to explain it to us, <laughs> that would be helpful. Right. Um, and then you said, well, why don't you know, let's start studying it together. Mm -hmm. And we did, uh, we moved along, I don't know how, chapter six or eight or so. But at some point you said, hey, you know, we should, why don't we record this? Yeah. Or you said early on, but then it became more clear. Let's, let's right. do this. And, right. and so then this kind of came out of, not because we feel that we're, experts at all or mm -hmm. have any significant depth of knowledge in this area but we're hungry which which right. um which uh going to revelation one talking about you know he who has ear, and, and this one actually even talks about he who has ears but yes. blessed is the one who hears these words and applies them to heart and so i we're just trying to I guess follow that through and be able to hopefully share that with someone out there that can you know give us a little grace as we as we maybe fumble in some deep theological concepts here uh but knowing that that we're just trying to have a better understanding of of this amazing uh book called Revelation of Absolutely. Christ, of Jesus. Uh, I should mention that I also, as an introduction, I, I married. Uh, we have two kids. They are close to 14 and, and 12 now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a blessing even in our family study, probably for you too, to try to bounce some of these concepts and, and try to figure out what they mean and right. if there's a blessing for us today in the 21st century. And last time we uh, looked at chapter one, we tried to understand the context and the author and the person. And, and we established, I think, 
quite solidly, solidly the fact that this is a revelation of Jesus about Jesus, right? right? And the second thing that I think we should remind anybody who listens is that it's always good to reread before you listen, before you uh, try to see if you agree with us or not. Right. Reread the, the passage that we're going to tackle. So today I think we're going to focus on chapter two. That's correct. To right. begin with. Right. And so if you want to pause and read that again to have it fresh in your mind, I think that would be very helpful. Right, because we, we ourselves are going to be looking at the text exactly. as we go along just Absolutely. to kind of refresh it. And I like that, again, when you talk about the perspective of saying this is revelation of Jesus again. Mm -hmm. So when it starts and, and when it starts to feel like it's getting complicated and probably chapter two won't feel like too big a term, you know, things we can understand. But recognizing again, this is that same Jesus who said, "Let the children come to me." This is this is that that warm, loving Christ who died for us. We're learning about Him, and so um, not not getting kind of too dissuaded by all the complex stuff or the things we may not understand. But but this, this is Jesus. For anybody who reads Revelation, it becomes pretty clear that there is almost mm. like sections of the book. You know, we talked about chapter one, which is the introduction, the context. Yes. And all. And then you get into chapter two and three, and you have these messages yes. for the seven churches. So right. that's a, that's a section in itself. Exactly. And then from there on, there are a few others that we're going to delve into when we get there. Why seven churches? Who were the seven churches? Why did John or God decided to send messages? Because there are more than seven churches back then. Exactly. In, even right. in Asia, I believe, right. right? Yes. So what's up with the seven churches? So I was I I was reading a book. Um, one of the the references I'm using is this book by. Um, Dr. Jerem David Jeremiah, yes. and I thought he gave, gave a very succinct, because there are some very long, we've, we've read right. some literature that's right. very long yeah. into detail, about just the history related to it. As you talked about, as we go through, there definitely are themes and sections that we go into. Uh, we'll talk about chapter two, but really two and three go together. So these are provinces in Asia Minor. Was there something unique or special about this seven as opposed to all the other churches? Because in the New Testament, you have letters that Paul, for example, wrote to a bunch of other churches yes, that are right. not among uh, the yes. seven. Ephesus, I think, is one. Right. It sounds to me like, at least in the case of Ephesus, which we're going to discuss a little bit today, John used to be there, yes. or used to be their pastor or leader right. of that church at that time. So I think that was close to his heart, and God took that into consideration, maybe, mm -hmm. and he started home, so to speak, for him. And then if you look on the map at the geography of their location in those ancient times, apparently they were almost like on a postal route. So like if mail, say, arrived by sea to Ephesus, which right. used to be a seaport back then, and then you started to go from Ephesus to Pergamos to Thyatira to Sardis to Philadelphia and Laodicea, you would go on a on a route that would almost um, make sense for mail or or goods distribution. I don't know if spiritually we can. Uh, it's too much of a stretch, but you could look at that as a delivery system, right? Of this right. Is a revelation of right. God to the churches. Yes. And the fact that there are seven, it's probably symbolic too, because it's like the perfection number. So right. both then in that moment in time and throughout the rest of human history. God follows the natural, in, in a sense, the natural way of delivering a message that finds people where they are with the delivery means that makes sense for them. 
to deliver this revelation. I don't know if it makes sense. I'm I'm trying to stretch it too much, perhaps. Here, no, I don't. I don't know. I I think what you say actually makes makes a lot of sense. It's just I think God's amazing and just how perfection and how purposeful it is, and, and things don't right. just happen by coincidence. Yeah. And so, so thinking ahead so of, thinking of everything. And 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 uh-huh. uh, definitely there's there's a geographical way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, as as we read through this, and um, one of the things that several different authors talk about is you know we can look at it in practical viewpoints not just from the learning one but even we talk about the churches specifically uh-huh. there being perennial viewpoints which is kind of talking about um different churches and different times um, of, of churches as far as uh kinds of churches mm-hmm. and, and ap- a lesson applicable to not just those specific churches but applicable to these churches nowadays and then also um there's uh, referred to as a prophetic viewpoint as far as ages in church, right. as the church, the Christian church progressed through, um, and there being application, and you know, again, seven being a perfect number, right. and then you can say, oh, well, it applies in this way, and it also can apply. So literally, to the seven locations, we know those were actual churches. So geographically, they were aligned together. Real places, um, real churches, but real people. The, you know, the that issues time. Yeah. that 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 writes about that are being highlighted to him about for each churches, the message for each churches are applicable to today's church but also mm-hmm. you can look at it as just as the growth of christianity and the church developed also you can you can um you can actually say yeah actually this is kind of the church was there there was a persecution at this time um there were worship of this worship of that those different attacks were going on there uh-huh. and so it just i think that's probably maybe something that can be intimidating at times because there's so much depth here mm-hmm. and there's so many different ways of looking at it and and not necessarily that one way is right or the other uh, but it just it, and I think that's God, though. God who t- has that deep is just like can apply in so many different ways. The more you dig, the exactly. more you find. Yeah. And then the more it makes sense and you, right. and you see it fit together and applicable. Um, and I think that as as we look at chapter two and three, we're recognizing definitely. And I think most people will agree. This is a message. Yes. To those specific churches. But this is a message to us nowadays that we are supposed to draw from this. Because in one way, I think we are also all seven churches. To pick up on what you just said, this is not just some study of historical two millennia old documents and try to figure out, oh, how interesting, you right. know, they had this going on and yes. that and the other thing. But this could and should actually be read as very relevant for each of us today. Each of these seven messages could apply to some or all of us at different times today, right? right? right. Definitely. As, and as, and I think that, that theme there of self-evaluation and self-looking is evident as each church is asked to look at themselves and say, here's what you're doing well, but also that, you know, that self-evaluation as an individual, as I, as a body of, of Christ, I myself being that, um, and then also as a, as a group of people, as a church, having that evaluation. And, and I think we can, we flow from one to the other. And I think even in my own walk with God, where I could identify with this church this period of my life and then maybe this church and maybe even then two weeks later I'm another church and and I think that that is the the struggle but but going back to reevaluating and and saying okay how can I try to make sure that God's leading my path and redirect myself as it's easy to be I guess misguided or go in the wrong direction well-intentioned because all seven churches were well-intentioned they all have things that they're doing well but kind of can get lost a little bit in the way in how we apply just to go back a little bit to what we said last time, I think John Pauline, one of our sources that yes. we, we document uh, from, makes the case that John has a habit when he goes through the book of Revelation to 
anticipate something and then in the next section go into the details of right, that thing. Right. So in that sense, we could look in chapter one and we can pick up some elements, uh, some hints that then the seven messages to the church's detail. One, there's two that I can think of. One is in chapter one, that vision of Jesus uh, walking yes, among the lampstand right. in the temple there. Right. People have associated each of the church with one of those uh, lights in the seven lampstand of the Jewish tabernacle. What would that, I guess, spiritually speaking, uh, reflect or indicate if the church is one of the lights in God's temple? Would that mean something today? I would say definitely. I, I think uh-huh. you, you can't, <laughs> this is a horrible and, <laughs> and arrogant to say, I think you can't help but to think of it that way, uh, especially when I, I use, when you say that, I think if Jesus says, a city built on a hill oh, and we're the light right. and so we're going to this is jesus again and yes. we're going back to jesus and this is, we're going to take jesus's words again yeah. you don't cover the light mm. the light is to be exposed and once again this is one of those coincidence no <laughs> Just it's very detail. intentional exactly it's very intentional yes right yeah, yeah one could rephrase that to say that both then and throughout history and today even in this secular world at least in the western world where we live not to be arrogant like you said but right. one could look at this text and draw the conclusion that the church is or at least should be should be yes the light that's right that, that reflects and, right. and spreads the truth about god in the world right, right? and i think the church is the light and we have to be careful what light we're what light we're, we're spreading so because even the most non-believer you know the big atheist they are looking to see what quote the church whatever they define as the church is mm-hmm. what do they do and what do they stand for and, and so the world does mm-hmm. watch exactly. and so hopefully it's his light that we're putting out and not 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 our own light or, or some misguided light mm-hmm. and and so i think that going with that with that and it's not the arrogant actually there, there's the kind of call to duty and the sense of why we should be humble because yep. we are representing Christ to the world, and and so that 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 puts a big uh, responsibility, responsibility yeah. on 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 us mm-hmm. in in how I live my life, whether I like it or not. That that's my job, and so if I'm living the gospel, I'm being I'm I'm living what Christ wants me to be. I should be a light. And hopefully for, for a life for God. I like how you put it, that this is more of a matter of responsibility and being aware of wherever you go, whatever you say and do, you are part of this light or you are not. Right. You may be obstructing it. Right. So once you get in that position, you those are your choices. Basically. Yeah, which which is neat. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about as we're going to go into the details of each church and talking about them, the looking at the message in an introspective way of saying, okay, what am I, where am I at with that? But mm-hmm. also as... In, in an outward way, am I showing, and, and not to jump the course here, but am I showing, just to go with the first church, am I showing purely works and no love? Is that the one I'm showing to the world? So not just to myself and what I need to do in my walk with God, which is yeah. a whole big response issue there, but then also am, what am I showing to the world? Or am I showing to the world the other one, uh, you know, we'll talk to another church where, where it's kind of like all love, but then very little work. And and so not only to myself, but also that that light, what, what am I showing to the world? And the responsibility, which can be very humbling because um, I personally, I am not uh, an apt uh, representative of God. I, I, I'm inadequate, and so I need his grace to help cover me. You know, after Jesus was resurrected and his disciples, they were trying to figure out what they do next kind of thing. They didn't just start doing their own thing, each and every one of them, or as a group even. They waited until they got the Holy Spirit. Yes, exactly. Like right. fire or light. Yes, and they were guided That's by right. that. So I think we can draw a parallel with that also, where if we discover some light <laughs> on right. our own, it's always good to check with our larger family of church family yes. and, and make sure we don't go off some tangent or something you right. know, where 
I've seen occasionally people running away with a light that they think they discovered <laughs> only right, to find right. out there was some false light you know, right, that right. wasn't coming from the, the source. The other quick point I want to make about this connection between chapter 1 and 2, remember in chapter 1, that amazing vision of Jesus that John sees uh, with all those unique attributes that yes. Jesus has. And then you go into the second yes, churches yes. At, and as the introduction of the message to each right. of these churches. And John gives a snippet of mm -hmm. how he presented himself right. to that church. And interestingly enough, if you put those all together from all the seven churches, you get, on, I believe, all the attributes in chapter one. You do, right, you do, exactly. So what right. does that tell us? How, how is that um, interesting or relevant? I, I really like that because it, 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 to me that thread, it still continues that thread of we're going back to the same person I saw at the beginning. This is this is the beginning and the end. This is the, all my, this is what he looks like. And so to eat churches, this is the one who I saw in chapter one, and I described this as so same each Jesus, one gets one attribute mission. exactly mm -hmm. of what he saw and, and what he did, and then and then gives the delivery. But first, almost like gives the authority of, of here's where the word is coming from. This is what the one with the you know the, the double edged sword, the one with the fire and blazing the eyes and the bronze feet. Yes, we're describing the same Jesus that was seen in chapter one. And the fact that each church gets a part of that vision in a sense, I think there is also an element there of each of these visions of Jesus are very relevant to the situation of that church. As you describe in uh, it just I like what you're saying because I haven't thought about it before at all now. It's just coming out really right now in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, you put these churches together, the, the, who is talking to them, and you get the picture of Jesus. You get the picture of Jesus in, in chapter one. Yes. And so I'm thinking of Paul talking about different parts of the body, uh -huh. the head and the shoulder and the, right. you know, the toe and right. the hand, and the, you don't tell this with the other. And so each church having their good things and their bad things and, and so forth. And together, they, form, they a form a whole. And I think of the word gestalt. I was just looking up yeah. in the dictionary yesterday. Yeah. Gestalt meaning that, that the whole is actually greater than just the sum of all the individual parts. Okay. And then going back to the concept of being humble, I mean, fortunately, right now, we're in the church where we have the full understanding. <laughs> and hopefully you can We are right. Whole. Everybody else is wrong, right? <laughs> you can see my big sarcasm there about it because that's not it. I think, again, the call to being humble, recognizing this is my best understanding of what we have right now. And, I, and I'm trying to do the best with the information that I have now. But being also open to the idea that there is no one of the seven churches that has it all right. Recognizing yeah. that then. And, and then in, in how we live our lives as Christians with, with other whether it's denominations or other Christians and so forth and having that of saying this is I'm, I'm trying to do the best with what I have now I believe I have this understanding mm -hmm. but that humbleness and recognizing that that right now we're seeing things in a mirror right Paul, to quote Paul again right someday right. we'll see things clearly and we'll have clear understanding I like that idea of the sum of the seven churches each one of those has a, a different character trait that then you or, or a visual trait that you put them together and that is the Jesus of chapter one and so the sum is more or the, the whole is more than the sum of the individual parts we and are different parts of the body recognize that and, and how we approach it I love that what you just said because it, it sounds to me like what you're saying is only experiencing the message to all of these churches together you get the full picture. They, they all paint together the full picture yes. of Jesus, right? Right. Uh, and we see this unfortunately throughout the history of Christianity where there's this tendency to splinter into these uh, movements and groups and each one of those claiming that we have the full picture yes, of Jesus right. and everybody else is kind of lost or wrong or backslide or whatever you right. say. I remember 
when I was growing up in Romania as a minority Seventh-day Adventist um, child, you know, in a majority Greek Orthodox world. Mm-hmm. And my father was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. He was telling the story once the great schism happened between the what is now the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, you know, the right. Western versus the Eastern big uh, Christian uh, churches in, I think it was 1054, somewhere in there, when they couldn't work together anymore and they split each their own way. The leaders of each church expressed a kind of a curse or an anathema <laughs> to the others, ex- yes. excommunicating right. them, so to speak. Right. So, you know, the Western guys excommunicated the Eastern ones <laughs> and the Eastern, the Western ones. So kind of semi-humorously, but because we were a minority and, and the majority church always found a way to remind us that we, who are you guys? You are here for a hundred and some years. We are from the apostles. So he used to remind people of that and say, listen, you know, a thousand years ago also, you guys excommunicated each other. So technically none of you are legit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a joke yes. that he would say, he, you know, we, yeah. we, we don't look at people that way. Which but... makes me then legit now. <laughs> <laughs> but coming back to what he just said, I think it's a lot more constructive. Whether you are a minority or even more so when you are a majority yes. to have this attitude and say listen if I listen to these people whoever whatever their message or how strange they it may look to me initially if they are sincere they they want to follow Jesus and right. they want to present a new facet of his character I better listen I may be able to learn something from right. that right 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 and, and I think that's the value yeah. of having that openness. It's yeah. not to say that you have to change your religion every other year yes, right, <laughs> or anything right. like that, you know. Right. And, the one who's, and those are speaking as Jesus. Exactly. So, so it's not, yeah, it's, it's just not someone idea. It is, it, right. This is different parts are all, they're still Jesus. So, so, right. so the word needs to be from Jesus. It has to sync with, with everything else that, right. that Jesus is, right? And right. It, come, it needs to come from him.